1: Hello, welcome back to Roll the Rouge podcast, um, I mean, it's been been a while since we've had a chat, right? I think it's we we haven't even had a chat since the cup final. I'm not on air, anyway. Um,
0: yeah, there's probably a reason for that.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, other th- other than me moving house, I'm not just being we're not just being sore losers. Just just a little bit, but
0: yeah, it's probably 50-50.
1: Yeah. 50. We probably could have found a way around it. Oh, most definitely. I've been yeah. avoiding you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. And I, you know. I was supposed to. It was my turn to do an extra pod before the Leeds game. This is where I live. They're my friends. And I just, I didn't want to. <sighs> I, I, I I, didn't want to. I love a wee jacket. I couldn't be arsed. And I don't like them when they talk about football. So I, I didn't want to. It just, and I could see what was coming. So I, I, I didn't really fancy it.
1: Do, do you know what I have sort of forgotten a bit is like because obviously the, the internet didn't really exist, which is quite funny, back in the time when they were last in the Premier League and were last a significant side. Yeah. But I still remember the whole kind of like ethos and mythology around the club. Um and I think I said it to you on WhatsApp, but they are just like Yorkshire Scousers, You know? It it's so it means more You don't get football the way we get it. Fuck off, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't need to tell you any of this, do I? But no,
0: but I've said this to you before as well. It's um, it's really strange, particularly with Leeds, because if you talk to them about anything else, the majority of them are nice and they're actually decent enough. Like, they're on the ball with most other things even other sporting things they're enjoyable people to talk to most of them that some of them are my best friends not to sound like i've got a black friend too before i'm racist but (laughs) i have leeds fan friends for my sins and then as soon as they start talking about football or their club in particular i don't know what it is it's a grand delusion that has spread across all of them you you weren't you're in league one not too long ago like it's it's ridiculous, but it—it's it, kind of—it seems contagious because, like, the club, like, in response to this ESL thing, have released a couple of really, you know, self-congratulatory, you know, statements about oh, how much better they are. And the only reason Fucking they weren't leads. involved,
1: leads of all the, clubs,
0: exactly. The only reason you weren't involved is because you spent the past twenty years being shit. Otherwise you would have been front and centre. And the reason you were shit is because you overspent chasing Champions League football, the very thing that you're trying to denounce. You were trying to join what was then the European Super League and managed to fuck it up. So you, you can't talk. You 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 you're in a good position by default because you are no longer prominent enough or relevant enough to be in that conversation. So wind your fucking necks in and that's just a an attitude that they all have, and they, they still had it when they're in fucking League One. They didn't even have a enough self awareness back then to really like talk about themselves any differently. And it's sort of it was nice that they were far enough away that it wasn't a a concern ever, and you could sort of just bat them off quite easily by going, "Look, you're in fucking Championship, you're in League One, like it, it really don't matter to me." But the fact that they're back here now and they sort of They've got this Bielsa thing going, and they're actually playing decent football. And the media seem to have forgotten they're a bunch of cunts and want to wank them off every two seconds because they put a few passes together and press. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's beyond the fucking pale.
1: I uh I, I can't believe I got a bite from Ralph Inneson on uh, Twitter as well. When he, was, he was yeah he was posturing about it. Fucking just go go back to. Either playing Finchy or a knight, he's always a knight in something. Do you know what I mean? Like rent a knight. Yeah, he is. I do quite like him. Uh, he's got a very, he's got a very deep voice.
0: Yeah, yeah I, it's just, but that's what I mean. Is like he seems like a decent enough bloke and everything else. You have to have a certain level of self awareness to be able to play Finchy and be Finchy. Although apparently he doesn't like to just be defined as Finchy. Yeah, somebody told me that when I. Which, uh, which means that that's how I'm going to refer to him from now on.
1: It's like Radiohead not wanting to play Crete, you know? It's just yeah. like sometimes just, just give Get the people what they want, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. It's not a bad thing at the end of the day. Yeah. I imagine you've got a house or something on the back of Finch's, so shut the <laughs> fuck up. Yeah. Um, but like, um, yeah, th- th- he, he, I, as soon as he starts talking about his football team, he becomes a dickhead. It's just. Uh, And the thing that pissed me off as well, just while I'm getting my personal gripes out nice and early, is like we beat them 3 0 not all that long ago. I didn't really mention it. It weren't a thing. Like I didn't have the, you know, didn't go over top, didn't feel the need to rub it in just because we beat you. You, You're a newly promoted team. We're a, a better team than you, a bigger club than you. That's what we do, that's what happens. I'm getting my suit fitted for the wedding after the game and my phone won't stop fucking going because the lads want to get older me. Other people want to get older me. They want to, oh, what's happened there then? All this sort of shit. Oh, People tweeting like, oh, it's great to see one of the European giants in action and Tottenham. It's like, oh, you are really fucking stupid, aren't you? It's, it's just... really cringe isn't it, though? But it, it kind of proves the point of how small time they are that that's a big day for them, and I kind of said it, I said it to somebody the other day when uh, I seen somebody and they, they mentioned it to me first. And I went, look, it's it's always nice to give the smaller clubs a big day out and a smile on <laughs> the face sort of thing, and they just kind of shut up after that. Like we will lose, and and we we'll, we'll get on to why we lost. But that game said more about fucking Tottenham than it did about Leeds, and they they ought to be aware of that rather than. Pretending that 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 suddenly means they're back. They're just they they've done very well for a newly promoted team, but no more than that. Sheffield United did well last season, and where are they now? Mm. So shut the fuck up and bide your time.
1: I guess on that then, as you sort of touched on, I mean the game itself. You know, I tell you what was most pronounced to me is the the fitness of that Leeds team. They just looked. They looked so much more on it than us. We looked fucking knackered, like, in that second half. Um, and it's it's this is why I'm finding it so hard to draw any real sort of conclusions from anything to, to do with Spurs at the moment, because there's that part of me that I want to... I sort of want to dig into the squad a bit and be like, you know... The heads dropped after Kane's goal was ridiculously ruled offside, whatever the line's of line, I get it, but still. They, uh, you know, is it another example of us just, again, losing belief, heads dropping at the first sign of anything, where's the fight? But then I'm just also like, you know, from all the noises we've heard throughout the kind of Mourinho tenure fitness wasn't that big a thing for him you know that we've played an inordinate amount of matches this season like how how you know how much is it that the players couldn't be asked and how much is it that they're just genuinely shattered that we we have a higher profile squad with more higher profile players that are preserving themselves to the euros things like this you know that it's not. It's not an excuse, and it shouldn't be an excuse. We still had the top four place, potentially up for. Oh, like, it was well grabs, in play until we you know? lost again. Um, there shouldn't really be an excuse, and you, it is games like that where you do want to see a bit of fight coming. But I, I think we. It's like the Leicester game, isn't it? I think last season or this season, I can't remember which one. When? Oh, yeah, it was in Pochettino's. Um, God rest his soul. His <laughs> his final part stretch with us when we had that goal ruled off against Leicester and it just sort of it's, it felt like another one of those sliding doors moments where yeah. the game just sort of fell away from us and mm-hmm. Leeds just I mean the, the annoying thing is like in a purely footballing sense and then you know maybe because you have that big emotional tie to it it's it's different but for me I, I couldn't I wasn't that pissed off or resentful of Leeds because I just sort of thought they were just so much better than us. That like the, the scoreline probably even flattered us. The fact it was only three one.
0: Oh Hugo had the, an amazing game. Yeah, Hugo yeah. Hugo stopped that from being embarrassing. But people um, still want him out. I don't get it. Yeah, people are fucking idiots. That's why. Mm. Um, you talk about the fitness point first. Yeah. Um, when I spoke to Carl, he mentioned the fact that. Mourinho, when he was at Man United, sort of disassembled their sports science and data department down to a point where they're only now really getting it back to the level where it needs to be for a club of their size. And he doesn't, there are certain things he believes are a player's own responsibility. And there's a certain degree of this, which I actually agree with him on because he's a grown man and professionals, but there's a certain degree of it, which is you're the manager, this become this is falls under your remit as well, sort of a thing. And, you know, when somebody has a slight knock and they don't want to play, he he fucking hates that. Like I remember a bit in the um in the documentary Sacramento making a big point of going, oh, Jan Vertonghen will play through anything. And that's actually what seemed to have done for his Tottenham career is that we tried to make him play through concussions. Um when he probably could have done with a few weeks off. Um and the other thing is um keeping on top of your fitness and, and being match fit and ready and everything like that side of it doesn't seem to be monitored. And one thing that Solskjaer's has come out and said is that it took him a season, season and a half to get the Man United team back to a level of fitness that they could play the type of football he wanted them to play. Like that's just the difference in in how the manager goes about the work. And, and there is a balance to strike because we saw it with Pochettino. Bielsa has done it countless times and it will happen with Leeds eventually, is that players just get tired and it becomes too much for them mm. I don't think less physically but probably just mentally having to get themselves up for all right fuck it, it's another murder ball it's another you know press till your knees are going all that sort of shit like well, that's it's a caught, lot to us.
1: caught up with Liverpool this year hasn't it arguably yeah.
0: yeah exactly it's mentally and physically draining and it's it's sort of it you can only sustain that for so long as it's, it's, it's something that isn't nobody's going to be able to do that for 10 years straight. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, That's why, like previously, Guardiola teams have even... He's even said, like, oh, there's a sell-by date on how long I can be at a club because he knows that players will get fucking sick of him. But he's gone to a club now where he can just replace the players that are. Um, So it's not as as much of a problem. So that side of it, I, I kind of do get. We aren't as fit as we could be. But again... We have really fit into fitting two seasons into this one season with all the Europa League stuff, with all the fixture congestions, the COVID shit. Um, you can't really downplay that. That has had a massive impact. And the fact that we are concertina in that back-to-back with a euro straight on the back of it and that weird tacked-on half-season before under no real pre-season. Like, these lads have played a fuck-ton of football and it is going to show in their legs. like... The Leeds players just haven't done that as much. They've they've only really had to concentrate on one competition. They've and they have the novelty factor of mentally they'll be up for this because this is the first time they've ever played Tottenham at home. This is the their most of their first seasons in the Premier League. They're wanting to still stake their claim to to remain in the team and not get replaced next year. It's a completely different kettle of fish for them. Um, and this is sort of the mood around them is much better than it is for us, and and all that sort of stuff. So that all feeds in. They they
1: also are in that pantheon of clubs that for whatever reason, just like take Umbridge with us. They just seem to really don't like Tottenham either. Lee. Well, it's
0: all the clubs that we've overtaken over the past twenty yeah, years that true. just do, you know, I'm sure to a certain degree, Aston Villa fans dislike us, uh, Newcastle fans, Everton, all those type of clubs that we've just kind of. Replaced in the conversation, even like weird clubs like Nottingham Forest and stuff will feel they <laughs> need to, you know, take a picture of their European Cup and what have you to to prove a point that they're still relevant. When I genuinely, genuinely, Jack, I don't think I can remember a time of ever playing Nottingham Forest in the league, and I'm almost twenty nine years old. And that's not, that's not a joke. Like I genuinely don't think I have a, a memory of playing them in the league.
1: Do you want to know, like, the only reason why I remember playing them in the league is because it was the second ever game I attended as a child. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it stands out to me then. And Pierre Van Hooydunck scored an absolute screamer against us. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, it's been a very, very long time. I guess FA Cup was the last memorable was that the
0: was that the Ryan Mason goal one?
1: Uh yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? That was Forest, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, and that wasn't memorable because it was Forest. That was memorable Ryan Mason slapped one in top corner.
1: Yeah, which was decent. Mm-hmm. Right, w- w- that, and the that's... offside. Sorry, the, yeah.
0: I just wanted to mention that offside. Fucking ridiculous. And the only reason it got given is because that lino flagged, and. We've said this before, but the offside rule isn't fit for purpose. VAR isn't fit for purpose. He was at very worst level. Um, and I'm not saying that even changes the outcome of the game. It might change the outcome of their mentality and, and we might approach the game differently. And Leeds, therefore, might as well. Um, you, you, it's kind of like a Schrodinger's offside and that you <laughs> don't know what happens after that. Um, but it was annoying because he was... It's, it's a fucking perfect legitimate goal. Offside is there to stop people having an unfair or overly advantaged attack from their position in between the last man and the goalkeeper. At worst, his toenail was a millimetre offside. And it was a fucking joke. And even the the cod science of how they work it out with VAR, the, cam- the one camera angle they showed us, which is what we're led to believe they're looking at, Deli Ali stood behind the Leeds defender, so you can't actually see when he releases the ball. Um, so if it's two mil- two milliseconds before when they pause it or decide to pause it, Kane's on side. Um, all that sort of bollocks, the width of whatever pixelated line they draw and all that sort of shit. It's dog shit. It, it's they just, all dog shit. The
1: thing is, if they are going to use VAR for offsides, do away with the lines. Apparently in the Champions League, they don't do the lines. You know, it's no. it's another, it's a way of, they can pause it and look at it and judge it by eye. And that to me feels like the fairest thing. I think if somebody was looking at that without those stupid fucking lines, if there was an air of doubt, is that offside? Is it not referee goes and has a look at that monitor. If we are going to, I me, mean, let's be honest, VAR ain't going to go anywhere, but things like that, those lines mm-hmm. are just do away with them. They, they don't, they don't, because I've seen all these other interpretations as well. Let's, let's, create a zone or something like this or Wenger's thing of like front foot back foot and always. it's just overly complicated just do away with the lines just you know the one pause that I... it and see if it's offside and you would yeah. see that that was not offside no, it's
0: no, just... no not in a not in a month for Sundays the one that I bring back just to completely fuck off any argument is daylight um yeah. because if I'm a, if like I say that the the, the the thinking behind that law in place is to stop people in And if, there's, if you're still part of your body is where a defender is, then you can't reasonably be thinking that you're that far in front, that you've gained a huge advantage. That's just not... These millimetres isn't the spirit of the game. And we're supposed to give benefit of, of the uh, doubt to the attacking side. We we're supposedly watching this game because we want to see goals scored. And that was a fucking gorgeous finish. Yeah. That, that in the season where he's comfortably being the best player in the league isn't now going to be on his high right, highlights reel because some dickhead with a flag fucked him over. Like, it's a joke. We, we're we actually spoiling the spectacle of football with this needless fucking technology it's it's just daft and uh, i don't agree with it and i hate it jack i want it to go away.
1: but there's the fact they can't even use it properly you know we've had lamella sent off one week for a a nothing little slap around the face which was just him more flicking a hand out take from Mm -hmm. that what you want and then a man literally stamping on LaChelle head flex Well,
0: not even that but you No. Know? Pogba fucking elbowed someone against us yeah, and you know. Didn't get sent off. Come Lucas Moura against Leeds came on and yeah. did exactly what Lamella did against Arsenal and wasn't even cautioned, I don't think.
1: Like where, where is the consistency in all this? It's it's not you know, the the idea that this removes the margin of error is not. It just creates another margin of error. I mean, we've done this to death everyone's done this argument yeah. to death and it's it is what it is. I mean, I, I guess it is relevant to talk about Ryan Mason and the team selection and the substitutions. Massively so. Yeah, I mean, it in a part a part of me feels like it's kind of dead air because he's not going to be our manager. What I mean, what do we really learn from what he's um, doing? What do we take from it? But I think
0: what we take from it is that had he gone on a tear and somehow won every game in the league we had left and sneaked us into the top four there would have been some people in an almost Solskjaer like manner going oh you've got to give him the job now you've got to give him the job this was if a, a may perhaps a long-term blessing that just underlined this boy ain't ready for the job and it's because he's he's my age he's, he's no experience and it was an inept managerial performance. And I don't mean to be harsh on him because I was really annoyed with it on the day because of what the game means to me and because I knew what was coming my way. And then I kind of had to catch myself and remember, he didn't ask for this. He's, he's not in that position because he wants to be or he thinks he should be. It's because everyone else around him is so fucking stupid that they've, they've left him to essentially plug a gap until they can regain some form of competence or, or something approaching that. Um, so there's, you, you do kind of have to temper your, your attitude towards him. But if we're just being brutally honest about it, he approached the game in entirely the wrong manner. He played into Bielsa's hands from the first kick. And then he made two of the worst substitutions I've ever seen in my life. And, Rather than fixing the, the the problems that were clear as day in front of him, somehow compounded them and made them worse. And we, if if we weren't dead and buried after that second goal and the way we came out in the second half, we we were after the substitutions because we just got worse. Delhi Lee was the best player on the park. He was yeah, exceptional.
1: He really was. It was, was like Delhi of old again. You know.
0: He's the type of player that Bielsa teams can't deal with because they are built and organised to press and contain the expected and everything that boy does is unexpected. I don't even think he fucking knows what he's going to do until the, boys, the ball's touch his foot. And that's why he's making the assists and he's getting Sonny clean through and Harry clean through is because he's just playing on the edge. He's playing in, in, in gaps. He's floating around. He's he's not in one particular position all the time. He's he's here and there. He's where he needs to be. He's playing on instinct, and that's how he hurts teams. And that's that's one of the reasons why Mourinho hated him is because you can't pin him down. But that's what makes him great. And uh, and yeah, he should have had two assists. And there's no chance he should have been off the park. Um, and there was there was just no no rhyme or reason behind the two changes we made. Because if anything, the the, the the attack was the only real functioning part of the team. Kane looked fairly sharp. Sonny was definitely up for it. Delhi was good. Gareth was all right when the ball was at his feet. Otherwise, he's what we've come to expect. He's not going to be defensively engaged as he should be. But you kind of have to make allowance for that if you're going to be playing Gareth Bale from the start, and and that's a a known factor and something we were aware of from the start. Like he is essentially. Entered the the flat track bully period of his career, and there is a lot to be said for that because if you want to dash a team off three 0 in midweek and him out, have him score a hat trick, he will because he he knows he's better than him and he can do it for fun. Um, but if it, if the going gets a bit tougher, maybe he's not the one to to muck in and get stuck in the walls. Maybe that's when you do need your Bergwijn or your your Lucas. Like there's there's horses for courses, like maybe he just prefers being Big Fish, Small Pond and he wants to fuck off, you know, Southampton and all that sort of stuff. And then Tangy not playing and the weird, like, Mason's come out and said, oh, the the way we want to play is the reason why he's not starting. And then there's certain people going, oh, he's fasting, he's not fit enough and all that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know what it is or why it is, but the boy needs to fucking play. I know he's not been brilliant for a few months, but nobody has apart from Kane, really. Son's gone off the boil everyone's the past few months of Mourinho were dog shit, Kane aside. So I don't know why Tang is the one who's been fucking...
1: I mean, the, the only thing that, that I do think about it is, that, and it's 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 not drawing any sort of conclusion from it, it's just a nagging thought for me, is it? it's, it's three managers on the bounce now that haven't immediately fancied him, you know? And it, it just makes me wonder what it is about him, whether he's it's an application in training thing if it's I I don't I doubt it's a, a personality thing he doesn't seem like a particularly like divisive character or even that bigger personality really that he would be disruptive or troublesome he seems like a kind of guy that's quite happy to get along with what it is but I don't know maybe maybe there's just that feeling that that kind of I don't know the sort of The, 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 I mean, languid probably isn't the right, the right way to say it, but just his sort of laid back approach to things isn't, isn't what people want. But I mean, the guy's sort of, he's magic when the ball's at his feet, you know. I, I want, I want to see him playing with Deli Alley, you know. But
0: there's, there's some players who aren't up for it in training and, and stuff, and you just, you're never going to change that certain people just work in different ways and Dele Lee won't have been just lazy in Mourinho training sessions he will have been exactly the same for Pochettino but Poch knew when he got on the fucking pitch, he turned it on if you actually have a look at how much he runs about how many sprints he does, all that sort of shit, if you want to actually track whether or not he's lazy when it comes to it he's not, like the evidence is there like it is it's weird and the tangy thing i just don't get because he has he's clearly the best midfielder in terms of talent at the club mm. and he's done enough to prove that he can contribute like in that leeds game we were getting overrun in the middle of the park and we couldn't get a pass fast enough through their press. And if there's one person who's just going to pick up the ball, turn and ping it into somebody's feet and get leads on the back foot, it's him. He did it when we played him at home. It worked to a treat. Like you just kind of have to account for that. Like the the, the, the whole managerial idea that Mason's apparently said in his press conference where he's trying to pick players that fit his system It's a bit backwards to me and a bit simplistic. You've got to find a system that works for your best players and you've got to fit them all within that in a way that works best and gets as much possible out of as many of them as possible. That's what your fucking job is. You don't go, oh, the 65 million quid lad who's clearly the best midfielder at the club. He's not quite perfect for exactly this one role I have in mind. So he's not going to play. He's only going to get 10 minutes at the end of the game. It's counterproductive your team is actually worse because you're inflexible in the way you try to manage and, and set up the team it's tactically naive and it's it's just it's overly simplistic and it is the type of thinking that's going to come from a bloke who hasn't finished his coaching badges and up until a few weeks ago was learning his trade coaching kids and is i know we've said that his backroom staff are are um are experienced and everything but it's not as if the pedigrees there that any of them are going to pull rank like Chris Powell's biggest jobs are all non-league and as lovely a man as he is, and, and I'll, I'll say that until my deathbed, like, he wasn't a brilliant manager and if he was, he wouldn't be head of academy at Tottenham or doing the England thing. He would be in charge of a club in a managerial capacity as he's clearly shown was his aspiration previously. He's just not good enough to do that but if he's brilliant enough to do the job we've got behind the the scenes at the level he is then brilliant like for example Les Reed, who was dog shit at Charlton was half the reason Southampton for as good as they were for as long as they were because he did the job within their infrastructure that he was made to do Ledley's still learning his fucking craft as well like we've got a very inexperienced managerial team there and it was born out in this game like Bielsa's The one thing that you can say about his team is you know exactly what they're going to do and they're going to do it relentlessly. There's no mistake in planning for that team. He's not suddenly going to come out and sit back and do something unexpected. Like, he's the most open book possible tactically Uh. and not being able to prepare or plan for that is such a fucking mark on your record. But again, there is all the... You kind of do have to temper all that with going... This kid really shouldn't be in the position he's in, and it's not his fault that he is. So you kind of just have to wash your hands of that and, and accept it for what it is. And and, and the, the 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 people in charge, the chairman and, and the board, should be embarrassed that the club, in the the stadium and situation that we are, the institution that we've become, are in this sort of a mess because it's it's amateur
1: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know one of my uh, well, you know my my other take from this game, mate, is that uh, and I'm going I'm going I'm going to dive into it 10 times now. I don't think we're going to progress as a club until we upgrade Hoybier as well. And I think he, I think, I genuinely think he is as important an upgrade as our right backs, as our centre backs. I just, I think he occupies too important a position within this team and the players around him. Like, we want to have Tanguy playing, we want to have Luchelso playing. I think we need somebody of a of vastly superior quality to Hoybier in that midfield as well to properly unleash our midfield, because I, I get that the lad's tired. I get that he's played a lot of games and I also get, I'm not advocating that we drop him from the side. He is, he's a useful player. His, I think his impact has been pronounced because he is the type of player we've lacked for a very long time. However, As I say, I just, I do not think he is of the required quality for a club that wants to break into the top four. I just, I, I, I just don't, I don't think he's there. I think he, I think he was at his level at Southampton. I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think he stands, he stood, did he even really stand out at Southampton? Put it this way, had we signed Romeo, um, it is Romeo, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of hoybier i wouldn't be looking at it thinking like we've got uh, to me they're interchangeable <laughs> players they they're, they're, he's just i just don't, i don't really see enough quality there i don't i don't think is 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 sort of the way in which he reads the game is particularly that good mm-hmm. i think he's pretty I think he's a bit of a headless chicken when he's on the ball. I don't think even his, like, his basic sort of skills is in like passing, playing the ball around with any sort of real vision or like tenacity is there. And it's, some of this you can put down to coaching I guess, but I'm also just like or is he just a player that we got for 12 million pounds from a a lower end Premier League side and that's kind of what it is i don't i don't I don't think he's actively bad this is the thing i'm not saying he's he's shit or anything like that and i think he's a very useful player to have in the squad but what i mean is if right put it this way he doesn't come anywhere near what we had with dembele or wanyama when they were at their peak he's he's nowhere near that nowhere near that quality no thus we've downgraded and you know we we were we were breaking into the top four we were challenging for the title at that point and yeah if we're building something new again then maybe he's a he's a building block there that is a placeholder for now so maybe maybe the idea that he's a critical replacement is you know overstated but what I mean is if we again want to be that team that steps into the upper echelons of the league, I don't think he's there. I, and I don't think he's good enough. And I think it it, it, it was... Because I'm not just being... For for anyone that's listening to this, I'm not just being knee-jerk. I have said this from the start of him, that I have my reservations about him. And, it has been and a quality, this. You know, and... Maybe maybe it's just confirmation bias on my part. The lad has played like fucking seventy games this season, but yeah. I just I don't know. He uh, lo- he looks like he smells, all right? <laughs> that's the thing. Like I look at him and he, he just looks to me like somebody that has very bad BO, you know? And
0: I think that, that might be harsh, you're being be, personal. People
1: that you? is, that's that's an ad hominem attack and I'm sorry. Be be, be kind.
0: You've already said he's a shit footballer. You don't need to say he smiles as well. Be
1: kind. That's not. Yeah. I smell as well, so you know I, I can't.
0: <laughs> um, right. Let me start from the beginning with this. Go on. Um, I don't mean to mug you off when I say this. Yeah, no, go, go on. And on. Uh, I I'm I'm to it, it's
1: been it's been a decade of you mugging, <laughs> so I'm not. You know.
0: I'm only saying this as a sort of a um, uh, an uh, an observation, but this is very much the the same energy and sort of. Um, and riled up Jack that uh, has given us such pearl as this. <laughs> release Moussa Dembele from his contract.
1: Look, look, he he was he was not in a good phase at that
0: point. I know, but sometimes sometimes you do this thing where you, you mech your mind. I, I do it as well. Like I've I've already I've had a very similar rant about Matt Doherty this season and if I wanted to have been more level-headed about it and say, look, it's it's coming to this situation, all that sort of shit, and, and, and give him the benefit of the doubt to you know stay at the club longer or prove himself and all that shit, I could have done. But I'd, I came on the podcast, I said, he's shit, he needs to go. He's one of the worst footballers I've ever seen in my life. And if he was an animal, I'd bring the curtain out sort of a thing.
1: I, I did like your sentiment that he'd uh, fulfilled his boyhood dream of playing for Arsenal <laughs> in that North London derby. I, right.
0: he, he was fucking seconds away from kicking it in his own net. <laughs> it, it, it was an absolute disgrace. I've, I genuinely have there's very few times where somebody representing Tottenham has angered me to that level where I, I've wanted to bring harm on them. and It's probably a, a list that Includes Matt Doherty and Tim Sherwood and and very few others, if any. Uh, but yeah, that point aside, you're right. He has played the major. He has played two seasons in one season, but he's also been doing the job of two men for two seasons because he has got the most thankless task in that team possible. Because the reason he's there is because he's doing everyone else's dog work. Because you're right, we've got no other player who does what he does or does it even half as well as he does. So he's had to play or be available for just about every game we've had. Even the the stupid games in Eastern Europe or whatever in the early rounds of the Europa League where he should have been rested he should have been staying at home he was either starting or on the bench and needed bringing on because everyone else was so incompetent that he still had to do some running like he hasn't been able to just switch off at any point, and I think he's one of those blokes that seems to enjoy running around and doing his job enough that he will just turn up and do it. Like, he, he sounds as if he's a brilliant professional. Um, all the stuff that the lads say about him, he, he's a bit of a teacher's pet and sort of he's a workhorse. And you kind of, I kind of like that we have somebody around there. Like, do you, do you know under,
1: who else did, did this though, mate? Stefan hmm? Freund. I don't know if you remember Stefan Freund, but yeah, 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 I do. He. he it is just, it's honestly, it's who he reminds me of so much when I watch him. It's just like, because all of what you're saying is true. There are so many positives. He is enthusiastic. He does run around. He does do all the dog work. But there are players that do that who are so much more competent than he is as well, though.
0: And yeah, it, but- the, the, I think the players that do that aren't doing that in one, a team that is devoid of all confidence to a team that gives him no support whatsoever in doing what he does. And it's almost like we've hired a laborer to rebuild our house that is built on shit foundations and it's taken him two months longer than he thought it might. But the job is also four times harder than he thought when he ripped the plasterboard back. Like he's, he's just, he's a piece of chewing gum on a broken home trying to hold it together. and rather Sounds like having, a
1: Lana Del Rey lyric, mate.
0: <laughs> but rather than having a go at the broken home, we're shouting at the chewing gum for not sticking it together. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: I, think that is, I still think that's quite kind to him. Like, I, 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 I do, I, I I do I know might what you're saying. I might being kind,
0: but the other thing that is, is an issue is that I think he has shown flashes when we've actually been playing well of being able to do other things. He played a brilliant pass in that 6-2 at Old Trafford Ferraria. Yeah? He's had a couple of yeah. flashes of, of good, of, of actually being able to play the ball. But when panic sets in around him, I don't think he's there to be the level head. Like, he he's just... He's the... He's, he's the pack horse... And there are certain teams that can get away with And this isn't, you're not carrying one bloke. He's not an empty shirt by any means. But you can't have Ronaldinho 1 to 11. You need a couple of high beers in there. You need one or two who are just there to be a bit of a water carrier. And you were, you, you're perfectly right, because another point you're about to make there's levels to this shit. <laughs> like, your water carrier can be Hoybia or it can be Angolo Conte or exactly. Casemiro but before we go looking for our conte or casemiro the other the, the the thing that he's trying to protect the thing that is absolutely dog shit is our defense and the fact that he's he's trying to bridge together a midfield that isn't settled in front of on top of having to protect a defense that is clearly shit is just it, i'm i feel sorry for the man I actually feel sorry for him. That's why I don't want to write him off. Like, I think next season will be better for him because one, he has to play less football. Two, Skip is there, hopefully, to actually deputise, slowly work his way into the team and eventually, hopefully, maybe around Christmas, take over or... You know, in certain games, we can play the fucking pair of them because Skip can go box-to-box. He's a bit better. He's a bit more mobile. He's a bit more adventurous. What Fark's done with him is a lot better. And the other point I was going to make to you is, can you imagine... The the thing that you said about Dembele and Monyame is exactly right, but they were being managed by Pete Pochettino. Can you imagine Hojbjerg being managed by Pete Pochettino? Is he a completely different player, is what we're asking from him? Completely different, is what he do, is what he is doing completely different because he's not being essentially asked to be the the one man that cleans up everyone else's shit? Because everyone else is shitting the bed and leaving it for him to clean and that's not fair.
1: But do you know who else was managed by Pete Pochettino, though?
0: Hmm?
1: Kevin Wimmer you know so
0: yeah but he was shit some... and we
1: sold him <laughs> exactly and i think i think Pochettino wouldn't have it just get i, I you know what it's just cuz i've got a, i've got a Basuma agenda now i want him just buy him to get him in. yeah i would take him 15 mil apparently if the gooners get him i'll be fuming but you know it's... there's there's
0: so many of these lads that we could buy that are, are theoretically better and just would be good but
1: that's about... that's the sort of signing Spurs should be making, though, right? Players like that.
0: As actually, to make a wider point, um, I was just thinking about this the other day because, like, I, I was just trolling through a few old seasons, and um, it was my monthly time to watch my favourite Dimitar Berbatov clips, mm. and I, I was. This is like the probably the past five or so years. Maybe maybe since Pochettino came in, the only real time in the club, club's history since in, in my lifetime probably is more an accurate way of putting this, where we haven't been somewhat adventurous in the transfer market. Like I think we always used to punch above our weight in the terms of the players we went after and the type of people we bring in and it wasn't brilliant across the board like it would be 10 people who were fairly shit and one star but there was always that one star that was inexplicably playing for Tottenham and we just don't seem to do that anymore really it's it's a weird thing and we can explain that easily with the fact that the club's finances have have clearly been more concentrated on the stadium than on the playing squad and that's you know, a conversation we've done to death on the podcast and, and if people want to listen to it, then go listen to one of the other shows. But I kind of... It, it, I find it strange that people think that the club are reticent to do transfer business because we have. Like, I, I've seen... Yeah. And, and it's not just not just the Enoch years, but before then, I think um, somebody posted the other day about um, a newspaper clipping of us trying to sign... Um, Mark Hughes from Barcelona for a million quid when El Tell was in charge, and we do shit like that. We we'd go out and we'd well, buy, we would buy Gaza. We bought
1: Redbroff, didn't we, under Allen? I think it was yeah. still Alan Sugar. We, yeah, Redbroff. And obviously it was, a, it was a disaster, but we still Redbroff was. If people can revise history all they want. He was a he was a much coveted player around Europe at mm-hmm. the time we bought him. It was a big deal when we signed him.
0: We did Modric for sixteen and a half million when that was a, and we a just huge got it done.
1: We just, yep. remember that, out of nowhere. i, I the same remember. with Bobatov. Yeah, like there was all the, there was the, the actual hype around Modric. Not, I mean, not in the same way, because I don't think football was spoken about in the same way then, but it wasn't far removed from the way people are talking about like, I don't know, a prospect like a a Haaland or something now. Modric yeah. was, people were like, you yeah, know, Modric is going to go to one of the big boys in Europe. And then Spurs just came in out of nowhere, signed him in this clandestine fashion. I was like, fuck me, we we signed Luka Modric. Jesus. We didn't just sign him, nice we one. still...
0: We stuck him on like a fucking six-year contract on 16 and a half grand a week. Yeah. Like, we, when Chelsea came in and offered 50 million for him, he was still on 16 and a half grand a week, I suppose. It was ridiculous. No, and that's when that was... Well, he's told the story now of like um, Roman getting him on his yacht and essentially just, you know, told him how much money he'd be getting to come and play for a team that might actually win something. And, and fuck no, like, he, he damn right he wanted to go. And we ended up selling him for half as much the year left after to Real Madrid. And what's he gone to Real Madrid and done? He's been like their best midfielder for about a decade. So it
1: it is like, because everything you're saying, it's a very good point that you make it just, it feels that, I mean, I guess we did, we did sign Tangin Ndombele, who you could argue was kind of, you know, a coveted figure around Europe. We did splash out on him, but it,
0: yeah, and we did the same, like the Sanchez signing came out of nowhere, yeah. like spending 40 odd million on a young defender from mm-hmm. Ajax wasn't like a, it wasn't a small investment. It, but what it, I'm trying
1: to say is it's... We it, it just, if we feel less dynamic, don't we? It's less exciting and...
0: I don't know, is, is it because our expectations have changed? And You know you know that bit in like, is it the first Harry Potter film where um, his cousin Dudley is counting his presents and he goes, but last year, but last year. Yeah. And he's, and he's you know, he's pissed off because he's got one less present than he had, but his parents are telling them they're bigger presents. Like, have our expectations changed to the point where, like, I'm being a bit of a spoiled kid about it? And I'm like, oh, I remember when my Christmas present was Rebrov and Berbatov, and now it's only on Dembele. And it's like, yeah.
1: Maybe maybe to a degree, but it it's also that it just seems to be that there's, there's a lot less... And I think this maybe comes back down to issues with the director of football... Um, is it, it just seems like there's a lot less thought behind what we do now. You know, it it seems to be that we've kind of become a bit of a, a Poundland Man United, how they were a few years back, where we just keep buying players. You know, let's just keep getting some, sticking them in the team, see if it will work. And lo and behold, at the moment, we're just kind of... There's just... There's no real identity to to what Spurs are. And you can see that Mason, you know, he's, he's saying the right things and he's trying his best because he, you know, he's Tottenham through and through that boy. He knows exactly what uh-huh. the fans want because he wants it himself. It's And
0: yeah. that's why he went to Leeds and tried to play and tried to fight fire with yeah. fire and went, Oh, we're going to do this Tottenham where you think you're going to, mm attack better than us. I'm going to stick our, all of our attacking players on and try and take you on. But, it was fucking yeah. naive as shit and we lost, yeah. but that was well, Tottenham. And but Yeah, but we
1: simply... I don't, I just don't think we have enough... And maybe he's going to try and force it and it's stubborn and that's, as you quite rightly say, that's the naivety there, right? It's it's almost like a reverse Mourinho. It's, it's kind of like it's trying too hard to do something the other way that we also don't have the players for when probably what we need is some balance in between the two of them. Exactly. Um, Well, that's
0: what Poch was at his very best. Like we were defensively fucking brilliant under Pochettino and that's the basis for everything we did. We weren't just amazing going forwards. We were defensively sound and well set up. It was the closest thing to what we were is what Leeds is now. We just had better players. And that's because that's the style of football that he learned from who their manager is. So it's so
1: I mean I guess if we are on this who who do we because i mean i i've I sort of tweeted everyone this a keeps saying huh no. but to me it's i just think Potter now I think that's that's kind of where I'm settled i i mean I think we both sort of off air and on here both said that potter in a in a tunnel visioned way is probably our favorite choice but xyz considerations about him managing a club of this profile but now a lot of that has gone out the window for me and i just am like you know what i i like what i see at brighton and a player like yeah a player a manager like Nagelsmann wasn't Nagelsmann until until leipzig took a punt on him you know and yeah maybe we just got to be that club maybe we just realize now we re like you were saying we reevaluate where we are now we are we've taken a big step back the Mourinho gamble didn't pay off we have taken a leap backwards in our progression we do need to rebuild now it was good it was a throw of the dice and I'm, I'm we said it we nailed our colours to the mast on this podcast we said we understood it. We probably agreed with the decision to bring in Mourinho. See if he can get something out of the tail end of what Pochettino left. But he didn't. It failed, and it's set us back. And yep. yeah, yeah. You know, what can you say? I I don't really. I think a lot of people are getting very angry at Levy for this catastrophic error he made. I mean, some people said it from the start, but equally, I think we could be looking now at having one. The league cup and finishing in the top four, and you could comfortably say Mourinho was a success, but he wasn't, and that's what happens. And sometimes, you know, things don't always work out. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone is absolutely wrong or somebody is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But equally on this point, now I think my reservations basically about Potter and his ability to manage a club of our size, if you like, per se an ESL ready club um, <laughs> as much as that'll trigger people is uh I, I, it's just so falling by better. the wayside for me. I I just I, I I'm on Graham Potter. That's it basically.
0: Yeah, I mean I have pulled up the um the the short list as it is on um, on one of the betting apps Ooh, at, yeah. at present. Uh Simone Inzaghi is two to one on. He's a favourite at present. Four to uh, one is he Lazio now. Lazio, yep. Yeah. Which uh, you know, that poses its own concerns. Um Scott Parker's at four to one, which they're getting done 2-0 at home by Burnley at the minute, so that's a great fucking audition. Mm-hmm. The boy Graham Potter's eight to one on. Uh Big Brendan, twelve to one on. They're in the middle of shitting themselves out of the Champions League for a second season in a row, so I'm not particularly enthralled by that. Conte's at fourteen to one, which is interesting, but again, is he doing is he ten hagging us and sort of flashing his ass to get a bigger contract there like we could very well be getting used in that sort of situation um, Nuno Espirito Santos 14 to 1 and Christ that's about as uh,
1: no, least inspiring no, we could get yeah you know just no
0: yeah 16 to 1 Roberto Martinez no thank you um, just just no he's like a it, it might be fun for like a few games if we beat a few people 5-0 no, but he's never going to be brilliant in like the biggest games like there's a reason why at his age he ended up in like international management <laughs> it's just yeah just no, Eddie Howell's at 18-1 no he, he's got a Celtic uh, Lopetegui's 18-1 to one. that's you know done alright as Sevilla but like is that inspiring? I'm not entirely sure the man, Pochi, eighteen to one still. Odds are tumbling. The more he shits it at PSG, the closer he gets to coming home. It, it mate.
1: The, the, do you know what the thing is? Obviously, in a sentimental sense, I'd have him back in heartbeat. But in an actual footballing sense, it really would make sense again now.
0: Oh, of course it would. You you want to re-engage Harry Kane and get Daly Lee back involved and actually like. They've both now seen the grass isn't greener. Potts itched his ready-made Champions League winner thing and it clearly hasn't Well, he's worked. miserable there the
1: whole time as well anyway, you know?
0: I think that might be you looking at your ex's Facebook photos and Maybe. going, she doesn't look as happy yeah. with him as she did with me, <laughs> as she put on some weight. I must, But mate,
1: come on, it must be shit-working with like Mbappe, Neibar, and Neymar. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he could be back with Kevin Wimmer.
1: I just Joe, you know I did love. I've just got to say quickly on that one on Poch. Like, I love him that he's still got the the love for his boys. When like you know, when I think it was a, a prior to the Champions League game with Man City, when somebody said like you know, to the effect of, what is it like now that you're you're working with superstars? You're working with Mbappe. You're working with Neymar, and he was just like, this isn't anything new. I've just been working with him and Son and Harry Kane for the past however many years. You know. This is nothing new for me to be working with superstars. I just thought, yeah. fucking go on Potch, have it. Yeah. And it's little things like that where you're like, he still fucking loves us and he still loves his boys, you know? The one like, that
0: got me is um it was around the similar time before the first leg was sitting. Somebody asked him, like, oh, so what are your plans for the weekend? What are you gonna be doing? And he was like, Oh, I'm gonna watch uh, uh, I'm gonna watch this game. I've got the PSG game to watch, I'm scouting these. And then he said we were playing City, but rather than saying, I'm scouting City goes, I'm going to watch Tottenham in the cup final is how he said it. Uh. So it's like, yeah, of course he is. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be, it would tick so many boxes and just to run it back would be, would be lovely. Like it's, but we'd have to, we have to do it right by him this time. And sort of both parties have to have learned by the mistakes. I mean, fuck me. If Levy wants, uh, a change to kind of have a huge ounce of forgiveness come his way and, um, and sort of win back public goodwill and everything. There ain't a a, a better one on the, on the list than to do that in my opinion. Like, but the other point I was going to make aside, is that um, I think the, the major reservation we had about Potter previously was down to optics and the fact that, being this ESL wannabe team, which, by the way, I take the ESL every day and twice on a Sunday over fucking VAR. One of them shit for football in a far worse situation and it's VAR for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, we were just saying that it do not look good. It's not going to hugely inspire the existing players it's sort of you've gone from documentary Jose Mourinho to plucking the guy out of Brighton who can't score and just scraping past relegation all that sort of bollocks it you know it doesn't befit the club that we're trying to be and all that sort of but yeah what also doesn't befit us is asking out every nice manager in the fucking continent out on a date and having them publicly tell us to fuck off and have it live tweeted by Fabrizio Romano is not a good look either so if we go to another person if Conte fucks us off now and Sarri fucks us off now and it's just literally six seven managers on the trot that we've gone to and gone oh do you fancy managing Tottenham and they've gone you know what no oh oh yeah I do but secretly I'm saying yeah so that who I actually want to jump in bed with, hurries up and does what I want and offers me more money. Like Hansi Flick is the next one. And they're like, oh, Tottenham should get Flicking. He's won 72% of the games he's managed for Bayern. Fuck me. We've just done this with three other blokes. (laughs) He's dangling his dick at us so that the national team come and hire him. He's bored that he's annoyed that he hasn't got that offer yet. He doesn't give a fuck about Tottenham. He isn't coming here. Like, we've just done this three times. At least with offering the job to Potter, we know he's at a shit team. We know he's not going to say no to us. We know he's going to make us better footballing. Offer the fucking job at some point to somebody who's actually going to fucking take it because I'm getting sick of fucking meant to look even bigger mugs than we already are by everyone saying no. Like At some point, the the bloke where it looks stupid to have wanted to have him is going to come the best option because he's the only one that's going to say yes. You, you
1: spot on basically, mate. And the the thing that one of the sort of yardsticks I've put in place for this as well in my own head, is a and it's it's a really, it's a real sort of tub thumping tribal stupid way of looking at it. But I'm, I've been sort of caveating because now it looks as though I mean, Arteta will probably get chopped in summer, you would imagine. And so Arsenal will again be looking for somebody. And I kind of think about the candidates that we've been linked with, how bothered I would be if they went to Arsenal, and using that as an indication as to how bothered I would be if we therefore didn't sign them, and how much I want them to sign them. And I do think that out of pretty much everyone named... It would just bother me if Potter went to Arsenal because I would. It would. There would just be enough concern there as like, what if he is that like English Nagelsmann or Pochettino or something where he just needed that kind of step into a more established side where he had better players mm-hmm. and he has a core of decent, solid young players that he can work with because that's there at Arsenal as well. I hate to say it, they do if they if they get the right manager at some point, there is potential there. That I'm I'm not saying they're going to go on and win the title again, maybe 10 years down the line, but at this point in time there isn't going to be a quick fix. As long as owners
0: are there they're not doing no. anything.
1: There's not going to be a quick fix for them unless they manage to like mm-hmm. bottle lightning like we did with Pochettino mm-hmm. and get something and I I would worry about Potter going to Arsenal. I would worry about what he could achieve there with them. And by that token, I want us to sign him. But if not, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. So, because what I was, uh, one thing I did quickly Google because I couldn't remember the fella's name. But from what I remember of the the Chicago Bulls documentary, right? Phil Jackson, their Pochettino. They fucked him off, then they brought in a sort of Mourinho for a bit, didn't they? And then they were just like, let's bring Phil Jackson back, and then fucking won the lot, right?
0: No, they didn't fuck him off. They, there was a season where they were going to get rid of him before he was going to go, and then they said, oh, will you do one more year? And they did, and they won it. And then they fucked him off, and that's when it all went to shit. But there wasn't like a period where he left and came back.
1: So they didn't. They there was not oh
0: fuck that then. Fuck he that. wasn't. He wasn't. He. They were going to get rid of him a year before they did, but he stood around and still won it. And that's why it's called the last dances. Is his whole thing in that sixth championship season was, oh, we're going to do this. This is the last dance. It's the last time I'm going to be here. Last year I'm working with these people. You know, our last chance to win it all together, sort of a thing, and and do it all. And that's the point that Jordan was making was. Rather than because he fully believed that they could win a fourth in a row and win a seventh, is that he was pissed off that the ownership and the the management, Jerry Krause, didn't give him a chance to to do it a seventh time in a row uh, because they didn't keep Phil Jackson on. They, you know, he didn't want to stay there for a rebuild, all that sort of shit. They didn't re-sign the players and all that bollocks, and that was the issue with them is that they didn't back him to do it even longer because it would have cost them more money. It uh. just,
1: it, it pains me that thinking about that, because all I could think all throughout watching the last dance was about Tottenham and Pochettino, and it's still just, it haunts me. It haunts me, mate. It, like this, and and probably, you know, because I mean, I've seen, and I felt it myself, like the past the past few games, I've seen a few people saying it looks finally like Kane is actually a bit checked out and whether that's a sort of confirmation bias and whether it's this or that, if he is, he can't hold it against the lad because he's given so much to this team now and just Mm -hmm. the way we felt after that Champions League final, because I mean, I think like you said sort of as a joke, but then we sort of unpacked it a bit on WhatsApp, was like, (laughs) has... has football actually been fun as Spurs fans since that Champions League final? And it just hasn't. Like, it's just, it's been seemingly just watching the culmination of, what, of a decade, if not longer, maybe a decade and a half worth of work of a journey building up to a point and it just not getting there. And then watching it, actually drastically fall to pieces from that point is it's been horrible to be like
0: to be like old school roller roost it's like we're a TV show that got to its grand finale and then decided oh that got really good ratings let's do another season but there's nothing to really cover anymore. That we've we've done everything. We got to the point that we were building towards, and it wasn't a happy ending. And we should have just we should have sopranoed it and lived it, faded it to black, and we didn't. But the point you were making, the the parallel you're making with Phil Jackson, um, which is accurate and, and sort of um, interesting, the one that sort of sprung to mind as you're saying that, and that it sort of, it's been in my mind a lot recently because um, there's a few documentaries and that coming out and everything is um, Sir Alex. Mm. And um, I have a, a weird sort of affinity for him because I know everyone. You have
1: to, in a way, don't you? He's a great, you know.
0: Yeah, well, everyone sort of hates him and all that sort of thing. Especially, you know, growing up at Leeds and everything old oh, whiskey nose bastard, all that. We'll have a party when <laughs> he dies, all that sort of shit. That yeah. They say around here. I genuinely I liked him and I think some of that was just because he was a constant in my life for 20 odd years like he was Manchester United manager for longer than I was alive for a very long time for the majority of my life like I was born into a world in 1992 where Man United were just fucking good and they were the standard bearers and it was it was really weird when he retired I remember getting really emotional watching his like last speech on the pitch at Old Trafford I'm not a man united fan in the slightest like you know when we come to play them I mean, it's not i don't have a twinge I'm like oh i hope my, the best of a man united i find it funny that the shit now and all that sort of stuff but because of him and because of what he meant and the figure he is and everything i was a bit like oh shit this is weird like the the, the godfather of british football sort of going away and um you know when he had his brain um hemorrhage and everything i was like oh shit not sir alex like uh-huh. I want the bloke to make it through, and I was genuinely pleased that he survived. It sort of gives me a smile when he's there, all old, old in the stand with his mask on and everything. It, it's nice to see. Like, um, I, I do weirdly have a bit of a soft spot and an affinity for him. Um, probably it's Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> um, but the point I was going to make is that with with Pochettino and with with Spurs, the fact that we didn't win anything and and we got rid of him the first time really it got shit. Is it? Would it have been like if you know, if we revised history and Man United fucked off Sir Alex in was it, eighty nine, eighty six or whenever, whenever they were gonna originally bin him off because they hadn't won anything and it was the FA Cup that saved him and all that sort of shit? I think it was so
1: 89.
0: The, the bloke with his bed sheet and all that sort of things, yeah. thanks yeah, you know, all that like is that is that the point where Man United could have made the mistake that Tottenham didn't bind him off, and the twenty years of success that followed is is what we've missed out on? Like, was that the point where we were, where we should have? And, and you know, hindsight obviously it is. but is that the point where we should have gone? Oh shit! Like he's brilliant. Like let's back him now. It's obviously not the greatest right now. He's not the most engaged right now. But we're on to a really fucking good thing. All our best players love him. He loves the club. The fans love him. You know, we've fallen into the best possible situation we could, let's try and give him the team that he wants, engage him to the point where he wants to stay, he isn't going to walk away and we we fully commit to what we've got right now rather than thinking we can do better elsewhere and, and thinking that Jose Mourinho is going to come in and win us anything like was that the fuck-up? Is that is that the crossroads oh. we're in? Is there, is there an alternate dimension where that darkest timeline of Liverpool winning a league and Leeds getting promoted and shit it doesn't happen because we don't sack Pochettino. We, we keep him on until January and then buy some more players and, and re-engage the squad and we tell Ericson, "Oh, if you want to fuck off, fuck off." We tell Danny Rose, "Like if you're ready to go somewhere, go somewhere." You know, the play Eric Dyer, you want to go play for Man United, go sort of thing. Like well, we do the, yeah. the the hard rebuild. We fuck off all the wire
1: Maybe, but it's just it's symptomatic, isn't it? I mean, we it, it's the sacking him when we did. It's it it felt right, but purely because the fuck up originally was not backing the man when when we should have done when the likes of Carl walker left when danny rose started making noises that the club weren't investing in a proper way in a way that was indicative of a team that wanted to challenge for the top honors properly that were happy just kind of settling in and around the top spots mm-hmm. the when the likes of christian erickson started making noises when the likes of Musa Dembele ran himself into the ground and was such a pivotal point of our team that was just not replaced properly. Even, arguably, Waniyama wasn't replaced properly. You know, it's for just a, a litany of these things which, you know, perhaps some of it comes onto Pochettino's own head. Maybe he has to bear a bit of that because we've heard about his, you know, how particular he was and the types of players he want he wanted fit into such a fine category that it made it very prohibitive when the team, the scouting team or whoever it was, Steve Hitchin, were going out and trying to buy whoever that, you know, Pochettino wasn't always happy with it. But at the same time, I think we can all say like you know, those three windows, as much as we predicted it might, have come back to haunt us. And that that is on that is on the board it just is it's it's on Tottenham as a club it's on Tottenham as a uh, essentially as a uh, as something that's forgotten ultimately that its greatest asset is what is out there on the pitch like Mm -hmm. and it doesn't want to accept that and I think now it is going to have to be forced to accept that because oh, it's, it's it's well, it's it's funny you know because I was um I was speaking to to just a to a pal of mine he's, he's a he's a Blackburn fan he he has no real animosity towards towards Tottenham or anything like that you know he, he'll enjoy as much as anyone else does a bit of a haha Tottenham bottled it type shit but whatever you know and <laughs> he was just saying from the outside the the thing that's Astonishing even from, from my perspective, looking at you lot from the outside is that, yeah, you've you've done a great job building like the stadium, building your brand up and everything like that. But it, it seems to be almost that the owners have this strange naivety that you are going to fill that stadium forever. That... Mm, the likes of Nike or whoever are going to want to slap their logo on you forever. But the fact of the matter is, and s- sooner or later, they will have to face up to the fact that when you're at the level now that they have built a club to being at, you have to compete. You have mm-hmm. to, you cannot just be that Look at Ar- Arsenal are f- like they are, a- we can revel in it all we want, but they are, dying on their ass like the treading water you know there is going to be they the reason why so people can like for example they can look at teams like us and they can see something like this big protest they had the other the other year that was full of young people who were galvanized who were energized but that's because those young people are a product of Arsenal having an era of dominance. They are, they're there. The reason why Tottenham aren't like that so much at the moment is because we have an older fan base. We weren't an attractive team to to younger fans. And we have been for the past few years. So the chances are we will have a tail of a few younger fans. But it's going to dry up. Like, we, people aren't, people aren't going to take this for, and I, I don't mean like, they're not going to take this, this kind of, but yeah. it, but it, but what I mean by that is that I'm not I'm not making out like this is some grand travesty. Us legacy fans, we're gonna be here, <laughs> come come rain or shine, because yeah, whatever fucking milk dry yeah, the rest of us dry. we've got our Tottenham back. But when we're talking about this this huge global brand, sooner or later, it's it's less of a meme and it becomes more of an actual business concern when. Sponsors and whoever start to say, "Well, we don't really want to slap our logo or be associated with a team like Nike." Right? I've, 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 I've worked with Nike closely in my professional life, and you don't even need to have been there, but just everything, even from the inside and from the outside, it screams aspirational. It screams wanting to be attached to the best. I can tell you honestly. Internally, they will be saying, "We don't want to be associated with a team like this that bottle stuff that doesn't win things that people are constantly questioning why they fail when it comes to big opportunities." And they will look to the board and say, "Well, why aren't you spending money? Why, are you like, we've got our logo on your chest, especially why are when you not biggest... playing your part?" You know,
0: especially when their biggest asset of the club is Harry Kane and the biggest story is that he wants to leave us. It's not a fucking good look.
1: No, you know, and it it, it does like for all this stuff for all these kind of caveats that we put on supporters. Our supporters need to understand. Supporters, there's been a stadium, there's been a training ground, there's been this. Yes, supporters will be demanding and they will be unrealistic. And yes, we can always look at Manchester City at Chelsea that have you know fucking petrodollars dollars and whatever that they can just chuck endlessly at it. But there is still <laughs> a difference between spending £500 million pounds on players and making a signing. And I'm not trying to dig him out again, but making a signing like Hojbjerg, which is basically free anyway, because we, par- we basically exchanged him for Carl Walker-Peters. Like, you just... Why? I just, again... You cannot build a club to this level and expect to not play by the rules now you're at this level. And that's that's the simple fact of the matter. It's gonna dry yeah. up sooner or later. And this now needs to be that shock to the system. It needs to whoever comes in, whoever takes over, drastic change needs to happen this summer, in my opinion, to this squad. There needs to be an overhaul. It it has to happen.
0: You're right. It's more of a change in mentality and, and focus than it is um, than just uh, buying players and, and thinking one thing's going to fix it. I am. Um, I got asked to re- write a piece um, for Football Three Six Five recently um, about the, the managerial search and all that sort of stuff and, and what's going on at the club. And I came to a very similar conclusion to what you just did. And that essentially, I after about 800 words, I decided to frame it through the lens of Godfather 2, uh-huh. um, where the, the main allegory of that film is that Michael is getting so sidetracked by the business that his family life suffers, um, Kay gets rid of the baby, they get shot through the windows, all that sort of stuff, is because he didn't listen to what his dad said in the first film, and I know he's not in the room, but it's somewhat that... You know, Don Vito says in the first film, "You can't be a real man if you don't spend any time with your family," or words to that effect. He's he's saying it to the um, to the singer, the the actor at the time, um, in the director's office, and he's crying and what have you, and he slaps him up and everything. Um, Fr- Frank Sinatra. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. essentially. Frank can't Sinatra, remember his name. Yeah. What's his fucking name?
0: Johnny? Something is it?
1: Yeah. Um... Anyway.
0: You know the character I'm on about. Is yeah. In the film, um, it's the it's the same scene as I'm gonna make him offer a car. Ref- they can't refuse all that sort of bollocks. Um, but yeah, the, that's what the second film's about. And essentially, Daniel Levy is now taking his eye off the the, the family, which is on-field football and operations, and got so concentrated on the stadium, the NFL, the naming rights, the sponsors, all that sort of shit, all the the fancy stuff that comes with it. You reference Carl Walker getting sold. Carl Walker that money that Kyle Walker got sold for did get reinvested. It didn't get reinvested on the pitch, but I'm sure it's paid for a nice suite somewhere or a, a, another few steps on the Skywalk or a, an extra bit of the Tottenham experience. Like The focus of the club has just been... It went too far to one side and you cannot... You have to kind of temper it. You can't go too far and go, oh, they fucked up, all this sort of shit isn't... Isn't right. We we needed that stadium. We we wouldn't even be having this conversation if we were still in White Hart Lane. It's just as emotionally attached to it as we were, and everything. We'd outgrown it, not only in a footballing sense, but in you know pure numbers and everything. I was starting to hold us back a little bit, and you know I love that place forever, even though it, it's rubble, and you walk on it when you walk through the new ground. But that's just a fact of the matter. But there was perhaps a better balance to be struck between. The focus that we had between the two, because we went to to, to such an extreme to one side, that it, it's 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 caused an issue that we're still suffering the the sort of the repercussions from now. And I, and I actually believe to to give them some due. Pochettino was aware of this, and I, I think I know that to a certain extent because Jesus Perez has done an interview at some point where he's even referenced the fact that they knew they couldn't improve the squad in the way they wanted to because of the stadium finances and everything. He didn't say it in a way that he was complaining. He was just saying it in a matter-of-fact way. We we knew this was the situation, but they could also see the the benefits of having the stadium. It was obviously important to them. It meant a lot for Poch to, to see out wide laying lane and to take us into the new ground. And it was just, we got to a point where... It was everything was just a season too soon and stuff like that. and and that's such an easy line and it feels like a cop out to say because none of that is a good enough reason for us to be as shit as we are right now. But it was just just like you're saying we we haven't balanced what we are we and this is the, the same point I was trying to make when I was on about the fact that we don't feel like we're as adventurous in the transfer market as we once were or it's not as exciting even to you know transfer deadline day of Van der Vaart coming in like it was always Tottenham with a team for a long time that were doing the heavy numbers in the transfer market not in terms of money but fucking 10 players in a window 10 players out we were constantly fucking changing everything over we you know Levy was known as a wheeler dealer, Harry Redknapp loved it, we did all that sort of shit, even when AVB came in we re- rotated the squad and everything like that, like, it wasn't something we were shy of doing, but even if you re- read reports now deals that seem like they're slow, fucking millimetres from our nose we don't seem able to do anymore, or we seem scared of doing for some reason, it's probably because Steve itching couldn't do a deal if it smacked him in the bollocks, but you know, But you see the examples of like, the fact that Ryan Session took two years longer than it probably needed to do, and we ended up paying twice as much as we wanted to, and Eze that now plays for Crystal Palace, we've watched him for four years and can, see, can clearly see he's brilliant. A few years ago, we would have bought him for deli Ali money, five, ten million, Pleat says buy him. We would have had him, and he's in the academy for a couple of years and then comes through, or he's gone on loan, but he's a Tottenham for player. But for some reason now we sat on him and he's gone to Palace and he's brilliant there and he's not a Tottenham player and if we do want him now, he's going to cost the type of money that we are unwilling to pay. So the smart deals, if Dele Alli was coming through now, we ain't signing him. Somebody else is getting that signing before we are and I don't understand why. That, that That's the type of shit where the yeah. breakdown is for me. Like The areas in which we were smarter, we were better, we are now dumber and we are fucking slower. And it's, there's uh, no excuse for that.
1: I just want to, b- before we uh, bring it to a close, well, our lives. I well, yeah. I I did, I I did float a, a theory around, All right, and I I'll, I'll, I'll air it here. Do you think in any way, Daniel Levy could potentially, be, be a reptile, be the. <laughs> I'll be watching too many David Art videos. Could be the Jose Mourinho of chairman. He was once kind of dynamic. He was kind of punching way above his weight, built a brilliant legacy. He's delivered untold things. In terms of somebody in his position, he's probably, he's won the lot in the business state. You know, he's he's transformed, uh, let's be honest, you know, a side with a bit of history but that was still a mid-table bang average team into a global superpower oh, very best. yeah into a global superpower now and he's done that with kind of verve tenacity and being smart and yeah. I you know I don't I don't buy anybody that says he's just kind of lucked out or whatever it seems to be his narrative now but it just seems now that he just seems a bit out of his depth a bit out of touch and we just seem to be going backwards and just stagnating a bit um so i'm just i'm going to throw that out there and i think i'm just going to going to leave that to ruminate um
0: i don't i don't think i i think he's in the same way that we've We've let things go on for too long on the field previously. I think we've let things possibly go on for too long off the field. This, We got to the point now where this was his master plan. We've done the off-field infrastructure. We've built the stadium. We've built the training ground. We've been in the Champions League. We've been in the Champions League final. We've built a, a team with superstars within it. Uh, we've built the brand we've jumped into bed with the biggest teams in the world. Like he has got us to the point where he wants to get us to, but he's still looking for an extra billion on top for some reason. Like there's almost an insatiable level for him to now like pull off the biggest deal upon all deals, like the the negotiation to end all negotiations uh, just to cement his legacy and his genius when, Really, he could sell the club now for whatever, however many billion it is worth and make back however many million fold over whatever they've ever invested in the club and it still be one of the greatest sporting business decisions ever for Enoch to have bought us when they did for what they did and build us into what they have done. But for some reason, because we know, look at how the man operates in terms of You know, refusing to sell players or loan players unless their values reach and all that. Imagine what he's like about his own brainchild, about his own his own baby. Yeah, like he's going to be unbearable to deal with. If if, like Jeff Bezos rung up one day and was like, "Oh, I fancy buying Tottenham. How much?" Like he's sticking on hundred bill. (laughs) Yeah, he's literally taking a piss because that's how how he operates, and it's sort of I don't know. it, It kind of feels as if like. You know, you either, you need to stop acting like you are the little club punching up because we're not anymore. You need to start punching down. You need to start throwing your weight around. We've said this before, like, you've built this Death Star to, you know, fight with the other Death Stars, but you aren't blowing up other planets, it's time to fucking push the button and blow up a fucking planet. If you're building a Death Star, it's time to fucking use it. There's uh, there's no point in, in it just fucking sitting there because that's a waste and it's going to rot and you've paid for this thing and you've built this thing that is unfit for purpose because you, you're too big of a pussy to actually fully commit and pay the money that it costs to shoot the laser. Shoot the fucking laser, blow up the planet, win as a cup.
1: There's the title for the pod sorted there, mate. Shoot the laser, blow up a fucking planet. Um, it's been a good chat. It's been it's been good getting that out there, mate. It's uh, it's getting.
0: I've enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've got to um let people be behind the curtain a little bit because um we started and there's still daylight outside <laughs> and we're on Zoom, um and we record elsewhere but we have a look at each other through Zoom every now and then just so we can connect and mainly as I explained to you previously, so I don't stare at walls and drift off and and not because you're boring, but because I have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, n- not any of that, Jack. You, as I've, as you've seen from today, when I'm able to look at you, I've been <laughs> far more engaged than, than sometimes I am victim of doing. Um, but the daylight has gone, and my iMac has managed to illuminate me, whereas you can still see me. I'm mainly teeth <laughs> and eyes, but you can still see me. You look like you're either on a documentary where somebody's done something to you or I should be ringing a number to say whether or not I've ever seen you before, like I genuinely there's a big blurred outline of where your face is but the rest of it's black pitch black, that is fucking terrifying um, but yeah, for the past like half an hour you've been slowly like Disappearing into the ether as the sun drops behind you. and It's, it's just quite been... poetic,
1: really, isn't it? Probably for the way the yeah. pods come. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But,
0: uh, yeah, I just wanted to share with everyone that I've been creeped out for a little while by by looking at you, but um, hopefully you'll turn on a light soon and oh, we'll be able to see. I'm you. just going
1: to get a screenshot of it now, just so for anybody that is interested, uh, we can tweet that out at some point. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you if you have enjoyed. The podcast, which I'm pretty sure most of you do, because how couldn't you Um, leave us a review, please share when we do tweet it out. Just give it a share. Come on. all it takes is a little retweet. Give us give us give us a bit of validation. Come on. It's it's 10 o'clock at night now. We've been recording this for your pleasure. That's it. It's a completely selfless act. There's no ego here. There's no validation. We get nothing from this. At all.
0: I'm an old man. I've got to get up at half yeah. five in the morning. I've got to put the bins out and wash up, or our lass will kill us when she's back from night. It's like there's other things that we've got to be doing in our lives, but we're sat here talking about this shitty club that ruins okay. our weekends.
1: So just give it a little retweet. That's all. Just, just that's all you need to. I'm, I'm flicking my hand at the screen in a retweeting fashion. But all do I that. I can
0: see it's like a random floating hand. Yeah.
1: So, you know, but just do it. And yeah, you know. Keep, keep your chins up, everyone. We're gonna get. We're gonna be. Graham Potter's blew my army soon. So it's you been know. shitter
0: than this for longer than this before, and we've always come back, and we will do again.
1: Because we're Tottenham Hotspur, we're the best. Anyway, yeah. Later. Bye.